Welcome back to the latest session of the Silmarillion Film Project. I am your co-host, Dave Kale, and I'm excited tonight because we are finally getting around to the frame story. And of course, this season is all about Baron and Luthien. So naturally, the frame story will be Aragorn and Arwen. Who else? But we I have think this was, a lot. What's that? I think this was our first ever frame idea, wasn't it? Like yes, when we, pretty sure, yes. This, I mean, this is like one of the things that inspired the concept of the frame, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I yeah, think it you're was, right. It's an it's ancient while, idea. Yeah. It's a vague memory. Uh, but yes, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think this was the original frame concept. But lots yeah. of, but amazingly, apart from that part, uh, apart from the, hey, let's have Aragorn and Arwen frame Baron and Luthien. We don't know anything else. So that's it. Lots, that's it. Lots yeah. of uh, lots of unanswered questions. Uh, lots of uh, tricky things to sort out. So we should get started. And I am joined as always by Corey Olson, the Tolkien professor, and Nick and Marie, uh, our showrunners. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys good tonight? You guys ready to go? We're ready. Okay. Sure. All right. Very good. Um, quick announcements uh, here uh, this evening before we start. Lots of moot action coming up. We've got Myth Moot. Uh, we are one week away from the deadline uh, for registering for in-person physical attendance at Myth Moot. It is going to be available. Uh, we're doing it full as fully hybrid as we can, so there will be uh, a, uh, a, a digital enrollment as well, which will continue until the event. But... If you want to come in person, you need to sign up by June 9th. We also have, as we've said before, we have venue issues this year because we uh, have been displaced from our normal venue uh, by um, uh, refugee children from Afghanistan, which is fantastic. And we're very, very happy uh, about that. And it's wonderful and everything. But it's it's created difficulties. We know it. Now, the latest thing has been some people have been having a hard time finding rooms. So we have a bunch of people who are doing... Uh, 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 roommate availability um, in the hotel. So some people who got double rooms and stuff. So if you're interested in maybe splitting a room, you can, we, in our community hearth section of the forums, um, we have a roommate finding thread there. So uh, folks can uh, check that out. But anyway, Mythmoot coming really soon. Very excited about Mythmoot. Some exciting announcements coming out at Mythmoot this year. Uh, uh, big stuff happening at Mythmoot in Virginia this year. Um, we have our regional moots coming up. We've confirmed several of these. All five of these moots uh, have the registrations open and they are ready to go. Buckeye Moot on July 30th in Cincinnati. Mountain Moot September 24th in Denver, Colorado. Middle Moot October 8th in Kansas City, Missouri. SoCal Moot uh, November 5th in Carlsbad, California. And Oz Moot uh, the January 27th through 29th down in Australia. Going to be great fun. We're uh, not yet 100% confirmed, but uh, just about ready on New England Moot, which is going to be in Durham, New Hampshire on October 22nd also. And I think that will be our fall slate. I think that's I think that's it for the fall. Um, it's quite a lot for the fall, actually. So that'll be good. Um, uh, and then, of course, we've got a whole bunch of moots coming in the spring as well. So anyway, this is um, going to be great fun. So I uh, hope you guys can uh, uh, join us for 
some or indeed with since all of our regional moots are also hybrid experiences with digital attendance possibilities you could join us for all of them i i had to laugh with was uh, one of our frequent moot attendees uh, i was checking my email today and i got email notifications of enrollments by one guy for all four of the, <laughs> the fall moots like in order and i'm like okay it's the set right there we go uh that was really, that was really fun so see there you go like it it's it definitely can happen but all right let us get back to the frame so the first a brief reminder of what the frame story is for folks who might be newer to the project each of our seasons which is of course focusing on the uh the first age action um the each uh, episode has a third age frame. So we've been we've been paralleling it with a third age frame. Um, and it, it creates some really interesting conceptual possibilities because it essentially establishes a sort of third age touchstone uh, for a bunch of the themes that are happening, uh, the themes and sometimes the characters um, of the uh, of the sort of the primary the primary season. So it's a it's a really neat opportunity for us to both sort of show the parallels between the third age and the first age, some of the points of contact um, and the repetition of themes and the ways in which the third age is kind of calling back to the first age um, while also kind of grounding uh, some of the, uh, the, the first age action in the uh, sort of more familiar world uh, of the third age. Uh, so anyway, it's um, it's been, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed our frame stories all the way through. The thing that we have to keep in mind, of course, is that, uh, and this is a problem we've had in times past, we can't get too carried away with the frame story because we have so little screen time. We've got like two scenes an episode, one at the beginning and one at the end. So we can't get too involved um, with the frame story. Um, nor do we want the frame story to take on this life of its own where it goes off in completely different directions, obviously, so, as if that would ever happen, right, Nick? So uh, we'll, we'll, th- th- so these are, the, these are the challenges that we are confronting in trying to do this. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, the concept, uh, the general concept of the, the season six frame story has been one of the things... That we said I mean, from the very beginning, we were like, "Oh, we should do you know Aragorn meets Arwen," and uh, we, we were immediately like, "Well, obviously that should be the frame story for the Baron and Luthien season." Um, so usually we start off saying like with a kind of open book, right? Being like, "Hey, so what story should we connect with uh, uh, with this season story?" Um, we started off this year. Um, knowing that so there should be no problems right i mean this this will this will write itself it's super easy to do um i uh have been um cautioned uh by the um marie i'm trying to figure out how to describe your expressions when i've brought up the frame before uh, uh a um Skeptical smile is what I keep getting from Marie uh, when I say things like that. So I know there obviously there are issues that we need to think about, and that's what we're going to do tonight, which is going to be fun. So, um, young Estelle, right? Age twenty. This will be young Estelle's third frame season, right? He was in the frame for season one when he was uh, much smaller. How old was he? Like eight, something like that. He's ten years old in season one. Ten. Okay, right. So we had yep. we had ten year old Estelle in season one, and the his role in the frame there. This was like a uh, an instructional frame. So we had Elrond teaching him lessons, and we had Gilrine. Some tension between Gilrine and Elrond. Like you know, is he going to be raised up 
you know, in like elvish or human fashion, essentially, right, was one of the, the kind of the uh, dramas of that frame. Um, it was kind of a like, who is Aragorn and where should he be rooted? Um, and that was our frame for season one, the very beginning, the early Valar uh, season. And then we had him again in season three, which was the like fa- the big Feanor season, basically, um, from the... Um, uh, from the darkening of basically the 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 kin slaying and and everything it was it was like the Feanor the re- acting the rebellion of the Noldor season yeah. yeah the rebellion of the Noldor um, and um, and we had uh, teenage Aragorn aged what sixteen is where where he was yeah so we had sixteen year old Aragorn um, kind of you know feeling himself a little bit and uh, uh, pushing some boundaries and uh, um, and learning some lessons uh, with Eldon and Elro here uh, out in the wild um, so now we're returning to young Estelle at age 20 um, this is the time when he learns his heritage as Aragorn son of Arathorn um, and meets Arwen of course and they have their famous uh, uh, you know he calls her Tenuviel right and we're going to have the obvious parallel of uh, the scene that we're going to be spending so much time in in episode four right episode four is the Tanuvio episode okay so the connection's really obvious right the parallel between Aragorn and Arwen and Baron and Luthien is really strong and something that um uh, it just feels enormously natural to really kind of lean into and play on uh in the course of season six um so uh but how do we how do we Get it? I mean, it's one. It's one. It's one, It's like a scene, right? Uh, in uh, in the original. So how do we how do we make this work? So okay. So issues. Um, oh look, I already just summarized this. So look, Maria, I was anticipating the slide. I didn't exactly follow the slide. I was anticipating it, but there we go. Um, so yes. So that was. This is what we had in him before. Now Arwen also appeared before. She appeared in the season two frame. Um, in Season two, of course, was the awakening of the elves and the migration to Valinor up through the darkening of Valinor. We did like a whole bunch. We had, It was like almost two... I think that was the season that's really most like two half seasons stitched together, really. It's the only season in which we did a huge chronological jump in the middle of the season, basically. Um, when we got them to Valinor and then... Uh, we came back like a generation later, basically, and had uh, it had introduced a whole new, you know, the like, uh, you know, Galadriel's generation of character and everything, um, you know, the kids and whatnot. Um, the, you know, the elves, the generation of the elves who were born in Valinor, right, all got introduced in the second half of the season. We went through the darkening. Anyway, so the frame of that season was Arwen hanging out with Galadriel and Celeborn. So we've already established her in Lothlorien. Uh, in the frame of season two, um, and of course that was the 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 theme of uh, of um, of season two was like what is where is Elven home right what is the purpose of the elves and where do the elves really belong um, Valinor Middle Earth um, and so and of course. Arwen is reflecting on her mother's departure, right? You know, so there's uh, that. It's it's a relevant thing for her. Elves are seeking the havens uh, there as we get towards the end of the Third Age, um, and that was sort of the thing that was happening with Arwen and conversations with Galadriel and with Celeborn, um, and of course the meeting between Arwen and Aragorn, which is going to happen, which is going to be happening, of course, is what we're going to be focusing on, um, is when she's coming home from Lothlorien, right? So that's, for her, from her perspective, a sort of a relatively immediate context, right, for, uh, for this. So we should probably remember that. Okay, so 
decisions that we have to make, right? Um, point of view character, are we going to choose one to really kind of follow? Um, are we going to follow Aragorn? We followed him and two others, so, you know, that would be uh, obvious. We could do something a little bit more unusual. Um, the choice of Gilrind as a point of view character for this uh, frame would be kind of edgy, uh, I have to, I have to admit. Also, kind of creepy, as she would have to be spying on them uh, in sensitive moments. So there'd be, definitely be some advantages and disadvantages to that choice. But anyway, um, the uh, what is Arwen's story uh, this season? And I, I agree. In a sense, I think Aragorn's Aragorn's position. I think in every way lends like already has a whole bunch of drama built into it, right? There's the combination of him learning his uh, whole his identity, right, um, and the questions that are going to come from that, like you know the conversations with his mother and conversations with Elrond. Like there's lots of opportunity for him to be wrestling with the who am I and what is my job in life, right? That's gonna that's gonna emerge very naturally from um, uh, from that revelation. Then when you add, um, you know, I've just fallen in love with the most beautiful woman in the world who turns out to be Elrond's daughter, that's a whole other thing, right? So, um, and then, of course, his conversation with Elrond and and the way that those two things come together, right? Um, His future destiny and his love for Arwen, right? So there's there's a whole trajectory with, uh, with Aragorn's character, but we... Even if we do choose Aragorn as the main point of view character in this frame, we don't want this to just to be an Aragorn story, right? What's going on with Arwen? Um, and, um, and that's something that I think like, you know, dare I say, not even Peter Jackson did a very thorough job with that one. Like why? Like what I mean by this is I feel like the Peter Jackson films invested quite a bit in the like granted Aragorn and Arwen are in love, right? Now what happens? Right. That from that point on, I felt it worked really well. But like, why did she fall in love with him? How did that work? Like, what what what's in it? What's what 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 was her decision process that led up to that? Right. It's like he comes in to this, which is of course chronologically accurate. Right. But like everything up through their engagement has already happened. Right. Um, And we're never told about it. Real exactly right. It's it's sort of an established fact that she's in love with him and willing to sacrifice and, and all these other things, um, but the films don't do much. Uh, and again, I'm not saying it's a failure on their part. I'm saying they don't really try to do much. It seems to me to make it compelling as to like what this meant for her from her point of view. Um, and I think that would be a really really cool thing uh, to kind of wrestle with. And then, of course, how far does the story go? Um, uh, do we end with Elrond's prohibition? Um, do we include Aragorn's departure? Uh, and, of course, but we have to come back to our theme, which is release from bondage, right? And how do we connect it to our... Now, the, in some ways, of course, the obvious parallels between this story and our main story could be distracting, right? We don't want to be telling two totally separate stories which are interested in completely different ideas and have totally different themes just because they bear a very strong superficial resemblance, right? Or parallelism. Um, So it's not just about, let's put these two stories next to each other and, you know, 
they're parallel, so there it is. We've shown how they're parallel, right? That's obvious. Um, how are they kind of interacting with each other? So these are excellent questions. Um, which one do you guys want to start with? Where do you think we, we should begin with? Do you want to start with the Arwen thing? Let's start with the Arwen thing. Can we start with the Arwen thing? That's my vote for where we start, unless anybody else has any uh, has, no, a, let's, has a let's start with burning Arwen. suggestion. Okay. I don't I don't I have no, I, I I don't know anything else other than I I really I hope we land on her as the point of view character. Okay. I think that would be interesting. But I don't have a justification for that. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. That's all yeah. I got. Um Okay. It's her turn. We did it's, Aragorn, Arwen, Aragorn. Now it's Arwen's turn. True, There's yeah. a justification. There's a reason. There's a reason. Yep. Yep. Um, it's not a great reason. <laughs> we can decide whether we think it's enough, but yeah, it's a reason. Um, yeah. So um, <clears throat> I think. Um, all right. I. <clears throat> one issue. Right? Issue, problem, I'm not sure what it is. Um, and it's connected to where do we end, you know, how far does the story go? Right? Because um, I noticed that not included in our options there, in our bullet list here, is that time a couple decades later when they meet again on Karen Emroth and decide to get engaged. <laughs> right? Um, so, because truly that would be awkward, right? Um, we don't really have the time for that. And indeed, to be perfectly honest, I want to save Aragorn and Arwen on Karen Emroth for a future frame season. Basically, that whole situation, I think, um, would make for an, a good frame later on. Don't have a season in mind other than probably not Turin Turin Bar. But apart from that... Um, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, like... Or an Idril might work. That could work. That could work. Yeah. Bring them back or, in. Or for Arendelle the, and Elwing. Right. But, Bring like, them back have, in for the options. other big elf. Uh, uh, that way we get... We, we connect all three of the big pairings, right, together. That's a... It's a good candidate. It's a good candidate. Um, but um, anyway, okay. So uh, So we're not doing that. Which means... My first question with Arwen, we need to figure out where she's coming from. But at, at the end of the day, we need to figure out where she ends up at the end of this frame, right? What's her perspective at the end? She's not agreed to anything, right? I mean, there's no... Um, I think the thing that's most challenging about doing this element of this story is that everyone's going to expect it to culminate in, you know, Aragorn and Arwen standing together on like a little bridge with misty light and everything, right? Like that's what everyone's going to expect. And it's not going to happen. Like there's, they're not going to kiss. It's that this is not a getting together story. This is an Aragorn falling in love story. This is an Aragorn's destiny story. I'm so at the, I mean, in, in, in this sense, the plot driver of this, element of the story really is an Aragorn story, right? Arwen's obviously involved, and it's one of the reasons why, Dave, I agree, it does seem, like, especially interesting and challenging to say, like, let's do this the Aragorn story from Arwen's perspective here, right? Makes that, that It makes it really fun, but it is Aragorn's story. What is Arwen's version of this story? 
presumably she's not um like actively creeped out by him or something right um there has to be some positive reaction on her part yes but i don't think she falls in love with a 20 year old kid either yeah yeah um right because there is a significant age gap between them at this point um tolkien in his many mathematical calculations that we read about in the nature of middle earth which were delightful one of his touch points so like basically really short i'll try to do this in like three sentences um Tolkien was working on the relative aging patterns of elves and humans, and they were analogs to each other. They were aging in analog patterns, though at different rates. And he wanted not—he wanted to devise a system that would work systematically, that and that would fit with the stories that he'd already written. And one of his big touch points that he comes back to again and again to check his math, essentially, to see if it works was the marriage of Aragorn and Arwen. And the goal, like what working looked like, clearly, is that he wanted them to be a comparable age. He wanted them to be a compatible age with each other at their engagement point and therefore at their and and, and at their wedding. So that when they're married, there's not a huge age gap. And I know, you know, a lot of people are like, wait a second, she's thousands of years older than him. What do you mean no age gap? That's what he was doing, right? With those, like, you know, elves are aging at, like, 144 years to one ratio, but it's... So, like, where was she in her aging pattern compared to where he is in his aging pattern? And those, like, their real ages, right? Their real, like, life experience, maturity ages, like, where they are should be... should work, basically. Um, so it's not about the absolute numbers. It's about where they are in their aging patterns. Um that's that's what he was working on right and that's and he kept coming back to this so we saw we, so therefore we have in this sense a um an unusually clear insight into Tolkien's picture like what he wanted to see there right and what he wanted to see was maybe Aragorn a little bit older than she in fact right but for it, or if she's older, not very much, right? So it, it to look like a, um, you know, they need to be within about the same age. And one of the major touch points was their engagement point later on, when they make the decision to commit to each other. Which means, according to this, so she's much older than he is at this point, right? And remind me, what is he, like 80 when they get, I mean, it's decades later that they, that, uh, or, or is it? It's fifty. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's it's a few decades later when they get together. But now he's not the equivalent of human fifty because he's aging in a Numenorean pattern. So like right. neither one of them is aging at a one year to one year basis, right? Uh, so he's aging on Numenorean patterns. She's aging on Elvish patterns. But the point is, at the age of twenty, he's a wet behind the ears kid. She's already the equivalent of. Um, like a, what was it? I'm sure I'm forgetting. Chris, it doesn't make it easy that he changed his system three or four times trying to tweak it. And I so I've, I'm trying to remember what her age was in equivalence. And there are like four or five of them to remember. So I don't even remember which one uh, was the later one. Um, but, um, but he wanted her to be around like 30, like early 30, early to mid thirties, basically equivalent. So, She's the maturity level equivalent of a like mid thirties woman, and he's twenty, right? That's that's the, their situation right here, right? Okay, 
So what's her perspective? Uh, were these, by the way, were these concerns with Baron and Luthien as well? You know, he didn't do those calculations with Baron and Luthien. I think in yeah, I, um, he probably didn't want to figure it out. Yeah, it's actually Luthien's born before the rising of the sun, which makes the math much worse. Much worse, yeah, much harder. But, um, um, also, um, would yeah, that's true. Also, would he had he had he finished this project? Would he have would he he have been obliged to go back to the Lord of the Rings and remove uh, that line where Legolas refers to everybody else's children? <laughs> uh, so he does that kind of thing. Like one of the things that he does is like uh, um, try to rectify his later system with the things that are said in the Lord of the Rings, and some of them are kind of hard, right? Indeed, he has to. At one point, he has to play the scribal error card uh, uh, with the, I think it was with the birth date of, um, uh, of uh, Calabrian, uh, uh, I think it was. <laughs> anyway, um, it was when he was dealing with Galadriel's age. Because um, Legolas, Legolas has to be, he's referring to them as children, but uh, in, this, in this scaled aging system, he's got to be younger, right? He's, well, he can't be that old. It's certainly not old enough no. to be looking down on them, and certainly not Aragorn. Not um, Aragorn. But yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's hard to see how Legolas could be older, like maturity-wise, older than Aragorn uh, at, that, at that point, based on, the new, based on the new system. So yeah, no, I agree. There are a bunch of things like that that don't really work perfectly and have to be kind of recontextualized. But you see, for Tolkien, this was the fun game. Right. I mean, like he loved that game. Right. Let's go back and like, how can we understand that? In a, or even like, how can we understand that? Like somebody might have said that or people might have said and it, even if it could have been like misunderstood or misinterpreted or whatever. Um, but um, anyway, <clears throat> anyway. Um, so. Uh, she is if we go by Tolkien's later schema, which we don't have to do. Right. Um, indeed, we've we're uh, departing from Tolkien's later schema pretty wildly in uh, in lots of in lots of ways um, already. But um, <clears throat> what's her story? So she's she comes home mid thirties. She meets this guy significantly younger than she. Now this is not like a. Uh, Padme and Anakin in the Phantom Menace kind of situation, right? Um, he's f- at least fully grown. He's again, it's it's she's like the equivalent of like thirty five, thirty six, and he's twenty, right? That's that's the age gap, functional age gap, according to Tolkien's later schemas that uh, that we're looking at here. Um, now, I get, having said all this about Tolkien's aging schemas. Not sure we need to invest ourselves necessarily very thoroughly in this. I just wanted to throw that out there in um, the kind of like narrative context in which he was kind of placing Arwen throughout this process. If we're trying to kind of answer the questions here, um, one of the things which is relevant, which sort of fits with that, but also is kind of more important and more relevant, is her 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 cognomen, right, Evenstar. Right. She is the even star. She is. Which means a couple things. Right. On the one hand, it, it, you know, it talks about her kind of prominence. Right. She's like Luthien almost come again. uh, Right. But she's also 
she's the evening, right? I mean, remember the famous line about you've given your love to the morning, you know, the, the, the evening and I've chosen the morning, right? This is Gimli being poetic about this later on. Um, uh, she is associated, connected through her name, through the name Evenstar, with the dwindling and fading of the Elvish people, right? Like, she knows herself to be near the end of the Elvish story. There's, there's, I don't want to, I'm, I'm, I'm resisting um, going so far as saying that she embodies or symbolizes the end of the elves, but there's, there's, I, I, it's actually close, I think. Like, self-consciously, like, she's aware of the fact. Like, she's like the last hurrah of elvendom <laughs> in Middle-earth, right? I, there's, there's, a, there's a way in which she's really connected, and she's aware of that, right? She's aware of the ending. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I really like what we did with Arwen in season two frame, right? As she's thinking about this question, it matters for her, right? Um, how, how is the story of elvendom in Middle-earth going to come to an end? That's like a question that's relevant to Arwen. Like she, I think she has every reason to believe that one way or another, she's going to see that happen, right? When the curtains come down on the age of elves in Middle-earth, what's that, how's that going to be? What's that going to look like? And I have to think that that's relevant to Arwen's ultimate decision to marry Aragorn. Um, uh, I'm not yeah, saying I mean, like, she yeah, throws at, herself, at, herself at him for that reason, but I'm just saying. Right. At, at this point, she hasn't figured that out. No, of the, course The not. marrying Aragorn thing. Yeah. But I do think that she thinks she has a part to play and that yeah. she has an important role, an important contribution to make. Yeah. Because, yeah, if she's not just the the last of her tribe, she's mm-hmm. the even star. She's supposed to be a bright, shiny example of something. Yes. Of something. Like, so exactly. But of what? To do. Yes. Well, but yeah. what is it? Exactly. What is yeah. it? Exactly. Yeah. So, I, yeah. so I think that her story in this season should be taking another step along, figuring out what her path is going to be yes. without necessarily saying, ah, yes, Queen of Gondor, mother of the next king. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, right. That's not necessarily not on the table yet. Yeah, exactly. No, but no, that's, I mean, you think about it, it's a really a logical progression, right? In season two, we had her kind of confronting and wrestling with the question, like, what's the job of the elves, right? What were the elves supposed to do? Are we supposed to be, is our, is, is our place here in Middle Earth? Um, is this what we're supposed to be doing? And therefore, is it, um, is it wrong? Like, is it a, is it a, is it like an abdication of our role to go to, to, to go into the West? Um, or is the West ultimately where we're, where we're supposed to be and we're, um, faint hearted loiterers to coin a frame, a phrase by staying here in middle earth. Right. Um, that was like the, not crisis, but that was the question, right, that she was wrestling with. And so that's a big, like, elvendom question, right? Point of elves question. So for her to, having wrestled with that some, um, uh, not, as I recall, exceptionally conclusively, <laughs> but um, but anyway, like, having wrestled with that question, then in um, uh, in this season, we have her asking the far more specific question, what's my job? Right. What's my role? What is my destiny? What does fulfilling my destiny look like? Right. 
and she doesn't know the answer to that yet. It's 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 directly related, right? It comes from like you first have to work out what's the point of elves, right? And then figure out okay, what's my within that destiny, right? Within that purpose, what is my specific? I am the even star. What does that mean, right? What is what is my role supposed to be, and how am I meant to do it? Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I think. Um, uh, So again, my big question, I can see in that sense where, where she comes from, right? Um, and even how we can get her to the point of like being intrigued, interested, maybe even disturbed by Aragorn's interest, right? By her meeting with Aragorn and her, his interest, because, um, She's been thinking, certainly in season two, she was thinking about the elf question in a vacuum, essentially, right? Um, what was not part of that discussion was men, right? That was not, that was not in the picture, because, of course, humans hadn't been invented yet in season two. Um, so that was a non-issue, has only come in very recently. And so that could be an easy element of the, like We have her asking these questions, right? Um, but of course, what is the larger frame? Like what is that? If this is the end of the era for elves, what comes next? And of course, everybody knows what comes next is the dominion of men. Right. Um, and she's got to have feelings about that. Right. She's got to have thoughts, opinions about the dominion of men. What's her perspective on the forthcoming dominion? If she's the even star, Right. If she's the one who in some sense, either symbolically or, or even in some kind of literal fashion, is going to be sort of presiding over the end of Elvendom in Middle-earth, what's her attitude towards the dominion of men? Before she, the, before she meets Aragorn. This, I mean, she could be asking herself that question. Like, what is my role in this? If you know, does she know that she is supposed to be the even star? Like, it, mm-hmm. like I don't remember exactly when she gains that appellation off the top of my head. Um, but she could be just trying to figure that out. Because basically where we left things in season two was essentially the answer to the question, where is home, home for elves? The right. answer is it depends it depends on who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so who is she is the question she is left asking herself. Right. 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 And and she could be asking herself that question in regards to the diminishing of the elven kingdoms and the the rise of the dominion uh, dominion of men and all that. Right. Um now of course the rise of the dominion of men is nothing really new. You know, the second it's age, not, it, it's the not late terrifically second sudden. age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. is the... something new and sudden going on, though. The return of Sauron is new and sudden, and the yes. thing that's been happening over the last two years that maybe Galadriel <laughs> and Elrond have opinions on that Arwen right. can be talking to them about. Mm-hmm. Her brothers mm-hmm. have an answer to this question. They are. They don't need to sit around and ponder this stuff. They know what their purpose is kill as many orcs as possible as possible yes exactly Done. right yeah like there yeah. is to them it's a very straightforward thing but right. for her it's not 
right right yeah yeah um yes um would she associate the two that is the dominion of men and the return of sauron right would they be linked in her mind Um, the we, return I mean, of Sauron means more elves leaving Middle Earth, mm-hmm. so that hastens the end of the elves. Yeah, even no, if I it's mean, n- right. Yeah, for sure. Like at the very least, in that yeah, like in that in that way, it's it's got, what I mean is like, um, do we be a little more aggressive, right? Do we give her any Thingolian anti-human sentiments at the beginning? It wouldn't be like completely strange how many humans has she ever interacted with some of the dunadine she would have seen and known probably right the dunadine have been in and out of rivendell her whole life but right. also in season two we had her interact with a village of right Bayornings right right that's right i, forgot I think about we're that. being terrorized by Gollum. by Gollum. right yes although yes. obviously she didn't figure out it was Gollum. so right Easter right. egg. <laughs> Easter egg. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody's creeping through windows and via, you know, uh, robbing cradles and we don't know who. Yeah. That was, as I recall, was where, how we played that. Yeah. Um, so she yes. had a desire to help them and. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. We shouldn't, we shouldn't. Like we she shouldn't wasn't, make... she was definitely not anti-human. Yeah. It would be, it would be too far to have her relationship with Aragorn be in that sense, a kind of conversion experience, right? To like humans aren't so bad after all. That'd be going too far. Um, but she could be a little hopeless maybe about the dominion of men, right? Like she could still have, um, she doesn't have to be anti-human, uh, to be, like, she doesn't have to be a racist or something, right? In order to have a pretty low view of how the dominion of man is likely to pan out, right? Because her idea of the story of men is Numenor. Right. And that ended kind of badly. Right. And one of the few quotes we have from her is her opinion of the Numenorians, which was not very high. <laughs> not very high. Yeah. She was not impressed. Yeah. Right. And Right. She admits that it was a lack of empathy on her part that she hadn't put herself in their shoes to actually understand their dilemmas. Right, right, right. Yep. But exactly. that is where she is now. She has not put herself in their shoes. She does exactly. not understand their dilemmas and does not have a high opinion of the Numenorians. Exactly. She would also presumably be influenced by the history of Arnor, which was in her backyard and which she lived through most of, right? Um so, uh, and of course, like she would, I mean, I bet you in Arwen's mind, especially since she has not necessarily spent all of her time in Rivendell, I bet you in Arwen's mind, she still thinks of like the Dunad, the chieftains of the Dunedain being raised in, 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 uh, uh, in, I bet she thinks of that as she still thinks of the Dunedain as like Arnorian refugees, basically. Right. I mean, like it's, it's going to be still part of that whole story. Right. Um, which is still going to be a fall story. Right. I mean, it's a. Um, I don't know. I mean, is is like, like the remnants of Arnor still clinging around? Like, and I don't think does she see that as very projectable? Like, I, I don't know that she would necessarily. Um, especially as you say, Maria, if she's if her kind of defining opinion of 
humans ultimately like big picture wise not it doesn't mean she hates them and i mean i just you know her we showed her having pity for you know humans and stuff she doesn't have, like she doesn't hate them but but she, that doesn't mean she has high opinions of them or high hopes for what they're going to be able to accomplish right um because even if they do great like the numenorians were doing for so long at the end of the day look how that panned out Right. And is there any reason to think that that's not going to happen again? Oh, look, it happened again in Arnor. Oh, look, it happened again in Gondor. Right. So, okay, it's great. We're sheltering, you know, the last ragged refugees of that line in Rivendell. What's the best that could happen? You know, the best that could happen is that like a new Gondor slash Arnor arises, whatever. Right. Uh, And same thing happens again. Right. Right? I mean, who has any reason to think otherwise um, at that point? It would be a very natural thing. If if that's kind of where her mind is, That would, and then you add to this, Sauron's arising, right? And at this point, right, the, the ring has not been discovered, right? The, the great stroke of providence that puts the ring into the hands of the free people and therefore provides this totally unanticipated opportunity to destroy Sauron has not happened yet, right? So well, do they have any Bilbo real prospects? Bilbo has the ring. He, I know, he's got it. He's got it. <laughs> they just don't know that yet. <laughs> exactly, right. Now, but so, so exactly. So when they're looking at the rise of Sauron, what are they thinking, right? I mean, is, is there any, is, is there any elf in Middle Earth at this particular point, who's saying the smart money is on we win and beat Sauron somehow, right? Who's saying that? I, how could anyone say that at this point? So she's got to be... So again, she, even to her original, uh, at best, I think, um, pessimistic view of the long-term um, uh, uh, prospects of the Dominion of Men, right, has to be added... Oh, and P.S. Sauron is probably going to win, right? The best we can reasonably hope for over the next century or so is for the elves to be able to escape Middle-earth. If, if not Sauron, some other force of evil. Right. Somewhere down the line. Like, yeah. the elves, to the elves, like, they're fighting the long defeat, and that doesn't necessarily mean that Sauron is the one that's going to win. It means that the world right. is going to get progressively worse. Yeah, yeah. Very likely. That's what you see if you live for millennia in Middle Earth, right? I mean, like, how can you not draw that conclusion? Um, this is one of the things that I'm kind of building up to here, as of course, in, in part, I'm kind of building up to a point, the point that we're not going to get to in this season, right? But what it means. When Arwen turns, so in some sense, again, I, I'm. This is in part. This is sort of confessional on my part, right? I've always thought about this story through from Aragorn's perspective. Like when I read the Aragorn and Arwen thing, I'm always invested in Aragorn's perspective <laughs> because that's the story that's dominantly being told there. Um, and so, when Arwen says, "We shall fight the shadow together." I'm not saying that that decision always seemed like an easy decision, but it did kind of seem like a no-brainer to me as a reader, right? I'm like, well, what else are you going to do? Not fight the shadow? Like, the shadow's there. Like, you're here. Like, you're going to either either join the shadow, or you're going to try to just run away from the shadow, or you're going to fight the shadow. And of those, like, okay. So, um, 
and, and, you know, like whatever, like that's, but it's not a no brainer, right? It's not at all from an Elvish perspective. It is not an all a no brainer to say, trying to resist the shadow, trying to preserve, you know, the human world by which I mean the world of the future. Cause the world of the future is not going to be the world of elves, right? The world of elves is ending one way or another. It's either going to end well or it's going to end badly. Um, but it's ending one way or another. The world that's coming is going to be the dominion of men. Um, and whatever we do, that's likely to go downhill. That's what we see again and again. Right. So when you start from that perspective and then Sauron comes and you're like, okay, great. What exactly now could possibly be the point? of uh, trying to fight for this, of trying to build something, right? It becomes, and the more I kind of try to put myself into her point of view here, the more it seems almost like a no-brainer in the other direction, right? Like, what's the point? Why would you do this? It makes it a more significant decision. So... I I don't think Arwen, as we've portrayed her so far, is someone who is defeatist. Right. So I think she has some confidence that there's things that can be done but maybe that confidence is being shaken a bit and certainly she never put her confidence in men figuring anything out or doing anything right right Right. that's the thing she could have confidence and this is this is i kind of think where the where the where the where the drama would be which would be would be cool is her she could have confidence she could have a vision for elves right and that she could have confidence in that like i'm not saying she's defeatist completely but what she doesn't have is confidence in men, that things are going to turn out well for men, right? I mean, what do you see? Things not turning out well with men, right? Um, so therefore, the turning point for her, when she joins herself to Aragorn, that's the moment where she's basically saying, okay, I have a vision for how this can work out with elves and what elves might do, right? And I'm going to bring that together. And then there's what, you know, humans fighting to try to preserve something and maybe make the dominion of men at least start off not sucking. Right. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to agree. I'm going to bring these together. Like I have I'm, I'm you know, now we share a vision of like, let's do this thing together and bring those two worlds together. Right. The 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 fi- the last glory of the elves. Right. The 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 good ending of the elvish story. Right. Shall be the foundation of the dominion of men. Right. Ultimately, that's where she's going to get to. Right. That's the sort of the larger vision. It's not just a, oh, I think you're cute and I'm very much in love with you. Right. That's the sort of the final vision of her choice. uh, Right. To join with Aragorn. She's not going to get all the way there. But I think that that's something we can begin to kind of set up, at least establish at the very begin, at the very least, we at the start we have to establish her vision for what she's doing. Which means, by the way, I think we have to start the season with her in Lothlorien still for several episodes, don't we? So we can give yes. her some time to talk this stuff through with Galadriel and Celeborn before she comes home, or she could come home yeah. and talk it through with her brothers or something like that. I guess. But then oh, see, we have to Elrond have her there. Elrond's available if you need to talk yeah, to somebody no, who's wise and has like, like, maybe I compassion know. for the future and the past. <laughs> right. But what I'm trying to avoid is um, Aragorn and Arwen just happening to miss each other for like long periods of time. He could not <laughs> he be, could in, be away. He could, yeah. But he's got to talk to Elrond and learn his thing. So I, I just don't want to do that like funny thing where like 
for one weeks and days, room, one is leaves the room and the other enters. Exactly. That's what I want to avoid. So if mm. we need time to establish both of them, right, to establish Aragorn learning his heritage and wrestling through what does it mean and who am I and what is my job, right? Um, and she's going to be like, I'm the even star of my people. What exactly does that mean? What is my vision for the elvish people? Like They both have things to establish independently. And then, boom, they meet each other, right? And both of them are going to have kind of different perspectives on what that means to them, right? So I'm thinking in the logic of this, it would seem like halfway through the season is the earliest we'd want them to meet. Um, And that means they're half a season in Rivendell together and Aragorn still doesn't even know that she exists, right? Or or hasn't seen her at least. So um, uh, that's why I was thinking of leaving her in Lothlorien for a bit. It is true that we need... Aragorn to say to Nuviel to Nuviel at some time after Baron says it. We can't yeah. do it in the frame before we do it. In no, the- clearly not. So, yeah, like, like episode five is our like uh, earliest possible point, right? And I'd be fine doing it several episodes after that, uh, really. Um, uh, maybe the actual meeting uh, the actual meeting could work well as the frame for either the rescue from Tol and Garahoth episode, or even better, perhaps, for the one after that, the, like, I'm wrestling with whether or not you should come with me, uh, and they decide, you know, the one that ends with them putting on wolf pelts and bat hames and heading towards Angband, right? Um, the, uh, the, they work out the, the last things in their relationship, uh, uh, episode, right? I could see that as uh, the the meeting being the frame of that one also. Um, maybe. Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of just kind of going through episodes in my head thinking about where that might fit. But that part of the season, like the middle of the season, middle middle to even closer to two-thirds, I could imagine being there. So, I think that what we need to do is figure out, as Brian very wisely asked much earlier, what does bondage look like for right. Estella and for Arwen? And I Boy, think that's that a that question one has us. to ask carefully. Yes, I agree. Um, uh, uh, yes, uh, it is certainly true that uh, what does bondage have to do with Aragorn and Arwen's relationship is a question that could be taken out of context. So, um, yes, I agree. What is the bondage from which they uh, anyone is going to be released? How does this? How does this? Uh, how does this come in? Um, we have people being imprisoned and released from prison all over the place, right in the main uh, Baron and Luthien uh, story, um, and I love. Love the way that that shape sort of unfolds. Um, so yes, let's let's think about this then. Um, what? <laughs> Sorry, somebody just joined us and is wondering what you what you walked into. Um, <laughs> um, one concept of it is: what if it's something like um, not destiny? It's a horribly hackneyed way to talk about it, but like this sense. Of, so one piece of uh, one thing which could feel like bonds from which they need to be released is this sense of like the inevitability of the future. Right. Um, we know how this story is going to go. Um, OK, so Aragorn is going to be king someday. Uh, maybe he could go and maybe he could restore Gondor to his glory. And uh, right. But we all know how this story ends. Right. Um uh, that could that 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 sense of 
So again, like, why would she, why would she join herself to that story again, right? Why should she think that by marrying Aragorn, she can make a difference in the way that this story is going to happen moving forward? Um, that could be one sense of, um, of, like a. Yeah, the, the 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 bondage in that case would be the inevitability of the failure of men, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so the the elvish understanding of fate is tied pretty closely to the music of Nyaina, right? Where mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the history of the world is already set, and you know you just have to play your part and live it out, essentially. Right. right. And men are very specifically exempted from that. Yes. While still so, having fate, because the quote specifically says that the the um, it says that men are not in the music or, or not controlled by the the music, which is as fate to all else. Right. So it is as fate. So men have fate. It's just not known to the Valar. And I would at this point say footnote. That whole thing is an elvish perspective, which is possibly one elf's opinion and very likely wrong. As because Pangolod. just because Pangolod, right? Just ask Andrath her opinion on this uh, this kind of bloviating that we get from the narrator of the Ainulindale, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But but anyway, I, uh, whatever. Yeah. I, I recognize there's commentary there. Right. Uh, where I was right. going with this is that while the inevitability of the downfall of Numenor and then the Combined Kingdoms, and then Arnor, and then Gondor, and then whatever comes next can be countered by the... Yeah, except for the part where men can totally break right. the fate that seems to be in the music. Right. Yeah, and Apparently. this is... Yeah, so, like, again... <sighs> you know, beyond it, hope, that high hope, you know, such yeah, as the high Pastel, hope. for instance. <laughs> the, the, which we were working with with the uh, with the Athrobeth in the last season, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, the high hope. Um uh, and then and the old hope, right? Um, uh, also, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, her ex, her adoption, ultimate, eventual, right? Adoption of my role, my purpose, my job, right? As even star of my people, right? The way um, that this is to be like. It's like the vision of Fingolfin that we gave him, right? Right? About humans making a difference, bringing about yeah. the destruction of Morgoth, yes. right? Yes. Um, and the way that we were by implication tying that in with the hope uh, with the, and everything else, right? Um, basically, Arwen could, ha- in the end, come to a vision of her purpose which is like that, right? By by coming together with the... So at first it looks like coming together with humans is just, is giving... That, that's what giving up looks like, right? Because we know what's going to happen with the humans, so uh, we don't really want to uh, hitch ourselves to that wagon, right? Um, but instead, she comes to look at it in the reverse way, right? She comes to look at it and say, okay, actually, this is the key. This is the key to. This is the key to our being released from that particular bondage. Yes, it does look like the future is inescapable and inescapably bleak, right? But 
by coming together with humans, we can escape that. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Um, no, I think, Brian, I think I'm, I think what I'm trying to stumble around to saying is the opposite, basically. Um, not that her, that cooperation with humans is fatalistic, but that cooperation with humans is the escape from fatalism is what I'm saying. Like that's the rejection of fatalism. Fatalism would be saying, you know, there's no point in humans because we all know Numenor, we all know what's going to happen. Right. Um, so there's no advantage there and things are going to guard, you know, we know that we have the, you know, I have this fatalistic view of where things are headed for Elvendom. Um, the idea is that the union with, um, uh, uh, with that would be the opposite. Yeah. Brian, I hear you. I know I seem to be like suggesting nothing but really bleak and depressing perspectives uh, for Arwen at the beginning of this season. And uh, it's not my goal here. I'm just um, I'm wanting to get where her movement is. Right. Yeah. And especially I'm trying to. to be, ans- yeah. Th- there has to be some kind of character arc. And like, yeah, keep in mind, once again, we can't have two narrow an arc because if we do we wind up back in season two where she's got to make these tiny little incremental baby steps along the way and we have to have these painfully repetitive conversations we don't have to do that right no we don't have to do that no we don't um Um, yes I, i do think that she should become more hopeful by the end of the season than the beginning Yeah. so if we're worried about why is she so fatalistic in the beginning I, I, it could be that she's she hasn't talked to her dad in a long time. Like she could be concerned about everything that's going on in the world and how the you're like yeah 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 I knew the age of elves was coming to an end. I didn't realize it was coming to an end like next week. Next week, right? Right. <laughs> you know, like it, it, the the. T- but when, as soon as Saren appears, it's like, oh, the time scale is now more immediate. So she might be worried about things and just a little scared. So not necessarily just like so terribly bleak in her outlook as like legitimately concerned for the immediate future in a way that she hadn't been, you know, before she heard that news. Fear. That's interesting. What if it's fear that she needs to be released from? What if she's afraid for the future? I mean, we don't want to make her into a coward who needs a big, strong man to help her. But is that why she goes home to be with her dad and her brothers? Because she's afraid? No. I mean, look, if you're afraid, you don't leave Lothlorien for that reason. Right? That's <laughs> so, I was I mean, just going to say that. In yeah. Lothlorien. I mean, that's a, that's a bad my, move, obviously. My unmute was a little too slow there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, no, I, I don't mean that that motivates her return. But it could color her return. I mean, she's mm-hmm. she, she's and it's not that kind of fear. Right. It's not like, oh, my goodness, like I'm afraid they're after me tomorrow. Right. It's but it's like fear for the future. Right. She's been talking about it with with Gladio and Calborn and now she's coming back and she's going to talk about it with her dad. Right. Um, so. So, yeah, it's I mean, there are lots of different flavors of fear. Um, dread maybe would be a better way to think of it. But, like, you know, dread for the future. Right. That like is what's going to happen is in the end is everything that we're trying to accomplish um, going to and just going to end up coming to nothing. Right. You know, what is will there be anything left 
um, could be a question that she's asking. Um, what if we were to kind of filter this or not filter this, but connect this to Elrond's job, right? Um, I could easily imagine, we've talked about her purpose, like what is her purpose and her sense of her purpose? Here's one vote for that. What if she sees herself as Elrond's heir, essentially? Elrond's had a job, right? Elrond's job, since the First Age, has been the link, right? Kind of like what Aragorn says at the end of The Return of the King, right? It has been Elrond's job to keep alive the memory of the Elder Days in Middle-earth. Like, that's his job. That's what he's... Like, from when he first entered Tolkien's stories, that was his job, right? Um, But if he... um, uh, If he... If she sees in some sense, that, like, her purpose is connected to that purpose, right? Eldon and Elro here don't feel this way necessarily, right? They're keen to fight against the Shadow and kill as many orcs as possible. Um, what if she sees... She's thinking about, as the Even Star, right, and when she's asking herself, what's my job as Even Star, she's thinking about the next transition, right? Elrond is keeping the memory of the morning alive into the twilight, right? She's thinking about what happens after the... I'm going to be around to see the... after the twilight, right? Um, uh, So what's that... What does that look like, right? That's sort of the uncertainty, the question. Is there going to be anything left? Um, How can we keep the memory of things alive, right? The whole, like... um, Rivendell's scheme has been working out really well through the Third Age, right? That's been great. Um, but we all know when the Dominion of Men comes, is the is is the Hidden Valley of Rivendell thing? Is that is that is that is that the way forward? Do we just continue with the same game plan right into the Fourth Age? Um, and P.S. What if Sauron wins? For which you know, at this, if you think about it in like. A, you know, those um, modern uh, sports analytics win probability calculations, right? Sauron's win probability at this particular moment is really high, uh, right? Um, so Saur- so the Dominion of Men is coming and Sauron's probably going to win. What do we do, Dad? What's next? How do we keep the memory of the old days alive into the Fourth Age? If she has embraced this as her calling, right? That she's supposed to keep it alive. And of course, we can see where that one goes, right? In the end, there's obviously a completely new plan, right? Um, Not just the Rivendell plan, but um, uh, she's going to be keeping it alive in an entirely new way. She's going to join it together, right? She is going to herself, um, instead of, Let's remain apart and isolated and hold together, right, in my in, a, in my living memory and my library, the memories of the Elder Days, which has been the Rivendell plan, right? Instead, it's going to be, no, 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 we're going to join with the humans, right? Through the descendants of Aragorn and Arwen is the, is the memory going to be kept alive. We're going to join them together. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a new plan. Now, again, she doesn't have the plan yet, right? We're not, we're, we're not, we're not going to get to that plan, right? But, she, but that could be the question that she's asking. And, and so I think, 
I'm, I'm coming back to fear and dread. Fear and dread works into this, right? Is it all going to collapse? Will it all have been for nothing, right? Um, and what could we do? What, 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 what are the options? Um, if, um, hey, let's go out and win, right? Let's go out and defeat Sauron. That's not really on the table, right? Eldon and Elro here might think it's enough just to fight the, you know, orcs uh, wherever they find them, right? Um, and maybe that works for them, but that's not going to work for Arwen, right? What comes next? And how can we help anything to survive? Uh, and she doesn't have any answers, Right. She doesn't have any answers, and she has a lot of dread about what's coming, and that at the end of the day, her um, uh, uh, yeah, her her again, the it's not, the, the future of Rivendell and of Elrond's project is not very projectable at this particular moment, right? Um, and so she would be right to feel fear and dread. Um the rise of the shadow would not just be a kind of no-brainer, um, well, let's, you know, gird our loins and prepare to fight, right? That's not where Arwen would necessarily be. That's not necessarily, as I say, the, no, the no-brainer mm-hmm. reaction at that point. I, uh, I like this. <clears throat> I think this is the... I think this is better uh, a better place for her to be now than, I don't know, like snobbery or condescension towards humans. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely a better definitely a better suggestion than my earlier suggestions. Um yeah. Okay. Um where do we um where do we have her end up in this season then? Because she's not gonna get all the way to the end. But of course I I was pushed in this direction um, I was pushed in this direction by, um, uh, what was I pushed in this direction by? Oh yeah. By asking what the bondage is. Right. And so the bond, the, the release, what they're being released from is, um, I get like the inevitability of failure essentially. Right. Despair. So, yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, Nick, here's the 10-second version of what you missed. The proposition is Arwen sees her her role as Evenstar, her purpose as Evenstar is to be like the 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 sort of partner with her father or heir of her father in some sense, or to continue the work of her father. Just as Elrond kept alive the memory of the of the first age through into the third age, right? So her job is to she embraces the job of kind of managing the transition into the fourth age, right into the dominion of men. How do we keep alive the memories of the elder days and the heritage of elves into the human world? Uh, Ultimately, of course, her unorthodox answer to that question and unexpected to early season Arwen answer to that question is going to be to join them together, right? She is going to become the bridge herself, like in her person, she's going to become the bridge uh, uh, into uh, the fourth age. Um, But she doesn't get there yet, right? So that was the basic, uh, that was the basic proposal. Um, uh, Brian says he says that 100% what he wants from Arwen is the question what's next what comes next right what 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 do we do next how how does uh, um what is the next phase of the of you know operation rivendell right given that rivendell itself 
uh, is not really a viable solution to the dominion of men, especially if Sauron wins, which looks very likely. So, um, so yes, if she has lots of uncertainty and um, uh, lots of uncertainty and even dread about the future, um, and not really if if she's she could be in this kind of ironic place where on the one hand she has a clear sense, a clear vision for herself, right? And her job and what she's supposed to do. But she has no idea how to do it and what it could look like, right? And those could be the very questions that she's asking, she wants to talk to her dad about, right? Um, what's so, the next phase of the, of the Rivendell plan? So where do we land her, I guess, is... Like, how do we release her? from the bondage in this season. Well, um, hope. Okay. Hope. So maybe she doesn't yet actually have hope per se, but she's introduced hope. She doesn't, by the she end doesn't of the season. possess hope. She doesn't possess she's hope. She's made aware of the existence of hope. And she finds out that hope is pretty into her, right? So uh, that's something. So maybe her intention is to, she sees herself as the future guide. Like she's like in fulfilling uh, Elrond's role in Aragorn's life when Elrond is gone. Right. She is doing her job. She is released from the dread of what's coming because hope exists and she has a role in keeping hope alive. I have to just, think hope, hope just like hope Hamilcar has to be the, did. Yeah, exactly. Just like Hamilcar. Uh yeah, I I I think I think hope has to be the pivotal thing, doesn't it? Like the concept of hope has to be the pivotal thing. Um which by the way, uh is the perfect springboard into season seven anyway. Like hope is what's going to be born in Mithros, for instance, right? Um, mm-hmm. Hope mm-hmm. hope is indeed begotten by the story of Baron and Luthien in the context of the first age, right? Um, so that's a way we can... On, on the one hand, obviously, to a certain extent, we're going to have to cheat, right? Like there is nothing like the kind of closure to Aragorn and Arwen's story. There's nothing even vaguely like the kind of closure that we're going to be able to, even with the sort of unresolved nature of the Baron and Luthien story in episode 13, it still has a ton more closure than Arwen and Aragorn's is going to be. So there's not going to be an, no one's going to be set loose from prison uh, in the frame story, right? And so we have to, there's a sense in which I think we have to cheat, but I think it's a cheating that can work, right? If the, if the answer is hope, Right, if a release from bondage is hope, the release of her dread that it's not going to work out, that she's going to fail, that there's not even a a path right towards success in her uh, like a plausible path, right? Um, she starts off this season with no Amdir, right, and she ends it with a little bit of Estelle, right. Yeah. Something like that. And that's yeah. what can still fit the release from bondage thing. And if we do it, did it really, really well, then. Which the, we will. 
Well, obviously. The hope theme, which comes in through the frame, can kind of infect the main story, in a sense. Because hope is not a central... Episode 12 and 13, right? It's not really about hope. Hope is not going to be our primary focus there. Um, But we can bring it in through the frame, and therefore... We can kind of infect it through the frame, and then use that springing forward into Season 7 with... Because, by the way, um, Nirnaith Arnordiad, hope totally has to be our theme next season, doesn't it? Yeah. From Mythros's hope in the beginning to day shall come again, mm. right? I mean, no okay. brainer, right? Speaking of hope, what's Estelle's bondage? Hmm. Is, is he bound? Okay, this might be a little easier because... He and of course he lands smack dab in the middle of it anyway, but does he feel bound by his heritage? Yeah, let's think a little bit more about his perspective on this, right? Um, because this is super exciting to find out. Surprise, (laughs) you're important. (laughs) Surprise, I'm an I'm an almost king. Yeah, that's that's fun. Right. That's fun. Um, And uh, but huge burden. Right. Like it's got to be like exciting until suddenly the crushing weight of responsibility falls upon you. Right. Um, I just can't wait to be. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 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 that's under nine seconds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Totally fine. Totally fine. <clears throat> yeah, we shouldn't. We probably we won't, won't get. Uh, we won't be removed from YouTube. Yeah. It's, it wasn't close enough to being on pitch, so it's fine. <laughs> That's it. They'll never recognize it, Nick. That's <laughs> the, the algorithm can't detect it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. If. What if he sees, okay, like this is a really like a simplified, exaggerated, uh, like way cheesier than we would actually do it kind of version of it. What if his trajectory is basically, wow, this is really exciting, but holy cow, the more I think about it, this is really, uh, this is, I, I, I now get to spend the rest of my life in this, with responsibility for carrying on this hopeless war. How and what am I possibly going to do? How am I going to do anything? Like, if only I had some kind of sign that, like, you know, uh, I'm not going to be completely alone uh, fighting this fight, you know, with my wilderness people. I'm at Tenuviel, Tenuviel, right? Um, so that, because I mean, it would be fun, right? It would be, it would be, it would be fun if the effect of their meeting each other is that both of them essentially give hope to the other um even though they neither one of them start off full of so it's not like one of them is full of hope and the other one is not full of hope right and they're neither of them in a particularly hopeful frame of mind right when they meet but the result of their meeting is both of them uh having you know because estel is it this is about the difference between estel and amdir right um amdir is the hopeful feeling right 
the I think things are going to work out just fine uh, concept. Um, but that's not the liberating hope, right? That's the, um, you know, that's the kind of hope that makes people like Denethor say hope on then, right? Um, Estelle is about uh, reframing things, right? Estelle is about putting things into a bigger perspective, right? Like seeing the star up above the shadow of Mordor, right? Like the that that Sam moment in Mordor, right, is the classic sort of encapsulation of Estelle and what it means, right? Um, not that you think things are going to turn out well, but your realization that there is, you know, uh, light and high beauty that the shadow cannot reach, and so therefore doesn't matter actually like it's it's that you don't need to worry about how things are going to pan out um anyway if they're meeting with each other essentially stimulates that's a super awkward word um uh, like a, a kind of reframing right there's like, no yeah. other super awkward words going on in this no season at no all. fortunately fortunately that's or sadly that's one of the least awkward uh constructions we've had here um but anyway yeah yeah no so it's it's but do you see what i mean about like how estelle comes to both of them even though like you know like neither one of them is like the transmission of it exactly um but um yeah yeah um yeah. Um so does he have almost like um like the I just met the girl I'm going to marry kind of the realization and against all odds like that's just he's just no, I'm convinced this is I, this is going to happen. Hmm. My father tells a story kind of like that. Right. So, you know, like How confident is Aragorn? Mom. Yeah. Um I I don't think he has to have that. I don't mm-hmm. think he has to have that. Um, I think he can know it's the girl he wants to marry. Yes. Well, he, he, I, I, I know. Here's the thing. If we're trying to set up this situation where now he feels like he is released from this loneliness that's going to be created by his position mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. I, I feel like he kind of has to be no no because the Estelle version of that is that Luthien for a time should be Baron just doesn't exactly need what I was thinking. Luthien to be his he just needs just Luthien what I was to thinking. exist okay. in the world so yeah. basically what Aragorn's getting out of this is Arwen as Amuse, you know the uh, a beautiful woman who exists and is inspirational, and he can I'm, live his life knowing that she's safe in Rivendell, and that will be enough for him. I'm thinking of it almost from a, an Arthurian perspective, right? Um, the Arthurian perspective, by the way, which is explicitly in, in, invoked um, in the whole Gimli Amir business, right? In the Return of the King. Um, uh yeah 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 oh i mean like yeah when when amir says like i'm willing to do battle i'd like to defend the idea that the queen is the most beautiful woman in the world like if that doesn't make you think of lancelot you're not doing it right you know like it's um uh but anyway yeah yeah so um so so i I, I find it 
that, that that could do it. I mean, I think that could be enough for him. I don't think he has to come out being like, I'm going to marry that chick, right? Because, I mean, that's a super cheeky thing for him to say. And he might have that notion. But he's is he 20. even going to say that? He's 20, I know. But is he even going to say that to himself, right? Um, so maybe. He, here's... I kind of... I like, by the way, sorry, Nick. Um, no, go, 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 go. I like, uh, I like the idea that, that uh, I feel like if this entire season there's no romance, it would subvert um, expectations. I yeah. kind of like that. I like that it's sort of like our their 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 head spaces are in different places where they don't even give like any thought to like that even sort of being a thing. Maybe maybe right at the very end. Like a I mean, head. it's what a little be really... bit of a cheaty subversion because <laughs> yes. we're going to go right back on it. And that's right. Yes. Right. Yes. Though it, it would be well, kind of funny if the one person who's thinking about it is Elrond. Yeah. Right. He's the one thinking about marriage. Right. Pulling him, pulling out Aragorn aside and saying, by the way, you know, this can't happen. Right. Or rather, the only way in which this could happen would be here. And for, and for Aragorn to be like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Great suggestion. <laughs> so, now that you mention it, she right, now that you mention really it, okay, pretty. That inspires a plan, actually. Right? Now, I'm not saying that he would be like, "Oh yeah, man, I never thought of that." Like, but that he, like, that wasn't where he was thinking. Like, he wasn't even allowing himself to go in that direction um, until, like, it's and so it's essentially Elrond who kind of brings it up. So, um, so. Let me make sure that I understand where we're trying to land him. Where we're trying to <laughs> land him is it's okay that I have to be king because Arwen exists. Yes. He so his his the 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 negative place that he's going to be delivered from, right? Is I have this um the weight of responsibility. I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on my own. Like, let's face it. I'm going to be on my own trying to do this. Right. Um, I haven't met Gandalf yet. So, you know, like it's, you know, Elrond's not going to be out there with me. Eldon and Elrond here are great, but they're not going to be like my partners through this whole thing either. I'm on my own, right? I've got to, not only do I have to do this, I have to get my whole people through this somehow. Indeed, I have to somehow try to change like the direction of history, right? Uh, To make things not go in a things fall apart direction, but instead go into an upward trajectory for a time and some, and also PS defeat Sauron somehow, right? Okay. Like how can I possibly do this? But then Luthien exists, right? Um, I can see that influencing him and changing his perspective on things. I know it's Arwen, but I'm I was the, the Luthien for a time should be is what I was alluding yeah. to there, Maria. That was that was that was a deliberate misspeaking on my part. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just basically that it changes his. It doesn't have to change his assessment of facts, right? It just has to change his attitude towards it. He's got the same job ahead of him and it's just as like hopeless and thankless his omdir is no higher right mm-hmm. but again what both of them would experience if we make estelle the turning point which only seems fitting um the the what has to happen is that both of them have to the meeting between them in different ways is going to kind of recontextualize things refresh their perspectives 
Um, she is like, she is the star. She's the even star. She's the star that he sees above the shadow of Mordor. That's what happens to Aragorn at the end of the day. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Brian says something to the effect of, so is essentially his arc is, woe is me, and then it's not about me. But Yeah. I but like that. Luthien, but Luthien, now I'm doing it. Um, Arwen <laughs> is kind of making it about him by, like, I don't, I don't know. I. It doesn't change the fact that he has this job. It's just about, again, it's about perspective, right? Again, Sam's job isn't any different before and after he looks at the star. Right, his role hasn't changed. His his mm-hmm. his outlook hasn't changed. Nothing's changed except how he his perspective has changed, right? And that's the same thing with Aragorn. He has he has the same job, right? And from an objective perspective, it's exactly as hopeless. And um, when he sets out to do it, he's got I mean, seriously. What are the odds that he's going to succeed? Right in the whole thing. Right, reestablish the kingship of Arnor and Gondor and defeat Sauron. Right, I mean, what are the Vegas odds on that for Aragorn at this stage? Right, um, I mean, incredibly low, and they don't change. Right, that's him meeting Arwen doesn't change those odds one bit. Right, what changes is his perspective. So I would, I mean, we'll, we'll find a way to make, it. <laughs> but the the uh, the. The, the pushback I would give you, you as far as the Sam example is that like I'm going to tell that story with Sam in a scene that lasts four minutes and the shift that we're making with Aragorn is going to be made over the course of like an hour it's a little different well, but we don't have an hour of screen time we're going to, we're going to be lucky to have four minutes oh well yeah but um, sure but that's but the, the the moment isn't even going to happen until partway through. And not to mention the fact that we're also dividing. It's not an hour of screen time. It's a half an hour of screen time because Arwen gets the other half. Right? Um, so it's a half hour of screen time, at least 15 minutes of which, and maybe more, is establishing the early perspective. And the ups and downs of finding out your heritage and then like the, the ups of finding out your heritage and then the trip down to the holy crap, how am I going to possibly do this? That's a trajectory that could easily last 15 minutes, right? Or more. And then you have the turning point and then you've got to process it and you've got to talk to Elrond, right? Um, and through his conversation with Elrond, what we see is his resolution moving forward. Um, so, um, I mean, I, I, I I agree. If this were like a whole season, this would be challenging, right? But in the frame, I I think we got we got time. We got okay. or we don't have more time than we need. I don't think. Um, um, yeah. By doing this, we are cutting out a chunk of this part of the story. And I mean, I mean, it might not be a bad thing, but the part where Gilrine's like, "Hey, Aragorn. oh Gilrine, yeah, yeah, okay, well, yeah, let's talk about Gilrine. It, where she's like, you know, um, I don't think Elrond." He's going to be too thrilled with you in this regard. And, you know, now that you're leader of the Dunedain, you should pay attention to the fact that the leaders right. of the Dunedain have relied right. upon the goodwill of Mester Elrond for the last... Maybe not alienate our one ally. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, we, yeah. Like if your first act as chief to, 
right to make right. Elrond mad. Right, that's that, yeah, me. that's um, that's uh, that would be a bad first day at the office uh, for Chief of the Dunedain. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. to mention, why can't you find a nice Dunedain girl and just <laughs> make nice Dunedain children and yeah, um, yes. Um, so first of all, which um, he still might if he's. If this is a courtly love situation, but right, right. Well, I'm not going for. I'm not gonna gonna go all the way like you know Andreas Capuanus on this thing. But uh, but I am saying, okay, hang on. All right, wait. But back up to Gilrun. Um, I agree. We 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 should definitely get the let's not piss Elrond off angle uh, from Gilrun, um, and maybe even a. Um, it's your duty to find, uh, uh, you know, maybe it's okay for the chieftain uh, to get married soon so as to have an heir because you never know what's going to happen is a fairly recent story in their family history, right? So, um, uh, uh, which Gilrine would be very personally in touch with. So she's not necessarily going to be on board with Aragorn being like, and now that I am chieftain, I shall go off into the wilderness, traveling alone for decades, fighting the shadow um, while remaining single, right? Mom might have something to say about that, you'd think, right? Maybe some, maybe we could have somebody finally tell a Tolkien character um, that, waiting to marry until you're in your like forties and fifties when you really, it's super politically important for you to bear an heir. Uh, maybe that's not a great idea. Right. Um, I'm not saying he has to do it. I'm just saying maybe somebody actually voices that for once, you know, the message that, that, that Theodred and Aemir and Boromir really should have heard at some point, right. From somebody. And and maybe this way you don't wind up having to marry some girl who is young enough to be your daughter and um, like someone's father did, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So maybe we maybe we go with a different plan in this. So having her voice something like so she could raise the marriage question. Right. Mm-hmm. Which would give us an opportunity he could have a complicated emotional response to that, right? Because she would present a really good argument in two ways, right? First of all, because of course, uh, Maria, if we think about it, go marry a, a nice uh, Dunedain lass, right? Is also a good counteracting to the pissing off Elrond thing, right? If, uh, okay, yeah. Arwen's hot. We all agree with on that, son. But if you go and get married, then Elrond is at least not thinking that you're uh, getting above yourself and creating serious problems. You can admire her from a distance, right? Let her be your muse. That's awesome. Get married, right, to somebody in your station, right? And then um, that'll smooth things over, right, on the Rivendell front. Um, and no one will be worried that no elf... Lords are going to be worried you're going to be marrying marrying his daughter and everything will be fine, right? That that all kind of fits together, um, and because again, it's it's his plan is counterintuitive. I, the I'm going to go off for decades in the wilderness on my own without getting married or providing an heir. That's you know. Okay, I have I have one more question. We're talking okay. a lot about marriage, yes, to a young woman who has in no way 
in our plan suggested that she would even entertain such a marriage. Sure. And I'm a little uncomfortable with that. <laughs> well, Elrond does. I mean, Elrond brings it up in the text. Yeah, right? I know. But the did, marriage did, question. Like, did, yeah. did he brings it. He brings it up before she has any feelings for him whatsoever. Before are she. Well, no, they've for, met. But, they've met. Right. Well, I forget. Is it Elrond or Gilrine who points out that Arwen probably looks at him as a young sapling? Right. Um, Gilrine. No, I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm blanking on that. Um, I thought it was Elrond because Elrond. It might be. What he says to Aragorn is not, you can't right. marry my daughter until you're king. Right. He says, you shouldn't get married until you're king. And he's like, oh, did my mom say something to you? I told her not to tell you about how I felt about Arwen. And he's like, I didn't mention Arwen. Right. But so now that you've brought up that incredibly <laughs> awkward subject. Yes. Right. He probably thinks you're a little young, buddy. But right. no, I was talking about women. Right. <laughs> not my daughter. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean, like um, the way the way the conversations about marriage come up, it's not about Arwen yeah, getting married. It's not about Arwen. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, it's Gilrein who says that he has set his sights high, right? Mm. Um, so again, and again, I think we can play that as not him coming out and being like, you know, hey, mom, I found the girl I want to marry. Right. But have her see that he's all starstruck, right, by her, right? And have her be like, okay, this is, you know, and then she, she could deliver that line in response to that, right? You have set your sights high. And, and he can, even if he's all like, oh, setting, oh, no, no, no sights being set, really, no, not totally not going there. Um, and she can be like, yeah, but you should be thinking about this. Right. And by the way, can I just say, if Gilrein is saying you should really maybe prudently think about getting married sooner rather than later, and then Elrond says you should not marry anybody until you're king, that's perfect, actually. Um, I, because that's exact. that's like there's Gilrein and Elrond from season one all over again. Right. Um, him thinking like an elf and her thinking like uh, a human. Right. Um, and. Uh, uh, as I love that, actually. I, I love everything about that. Um, but, of course, Elrond has, like, a little bit of foresight going on there, right? There's a good reason. I mean, it's it's ironic, right? Because, in a sense, it's easy to characterize that conversation as Elrond saying, you can't marry my daughter, right? But, in a sense, what, he's, what he actually says is, save yourself from my daughter. Mm. At, at the end of the day, that's what it amounts to, right? Um so that's uh, really interesting, actually. Um, and uh, I mean, again, not that he would say it like in those words exactly, but um, but that's what it amounts to. Like he has a foreshadowing that Aragorn should definitely not marry anybody until he's king. Meanwhile, right, there's Arwen being like, what is my job? What is my purpose? How can I possibly keep, you know, the memory of the elder days alive into the dominion of men that is to come? And then meanwhile, her dad is in the next room being like, Aragorn, don't marry anybody until you become king. Right. And that's like that that connection is not being made yet, but it's there. Right. Like it's, it would be there to be seen by the viewers. Right. The, that 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 connection, though, neither Arwen nor Aragorn would make it yet. Right. 
Now, what does this have to do with Estelle? Okay. All right. Um, Aragorn is fine with not marrying Arwen. Again, he's not, he's not like looking to propose in response to his experience of falling in love with her. Right. Um, but he's not on board. He would be aggressively not on board with mom's plan to marry somebody else. Right. He's not saying that he's assuming he's going to marry her, but he's not excited to marry anybody else. And so that desire is justified by Elrond's foresight, right? When he says, don't marry anybody. And Aragorn's like, okay, we're definitely on the same page there, right? Um, uh, yeah. Um, okay. Um, I'm just what I'm what I'm thinking through here is I'm trying to link it back to Estelle um, on both of their sides. How are their perspectives changed? Right. How are the perspectives changed with her? Again, I think it's, it's beautiful and simple. Right. She is the star that he sees above the uh, above the shadow. Right. She is the light and high beauty that the shadow cannot touch. Um, which changes his perspective, right? For him in that moment, that's what she represents. Um, in a sense, actually, in that sense, if he is looking at her in that way, if she is Sam's star to him in his moment of not despair, but uh, low omdir, right? Uh, <laughs> at least, um, uh not all the way to one hope, uh, which is the wonderful Middle English opposite of hope, right? Uh, there's hope and then there's one hope. Um, he's not he's not all the way to despair, but he's 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 cratering in the general neighborhood of despair, right? Uh, at that time, um, and then he sees the star, right, in the sky, and says, "Look, there's there's light and high beauty that the shadow cannot reach." Um, so the, the I know even star. the even star. Exactly. It's the even star. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a perfect thing, right? It works. It's just it's beautiful. Um but um uh but yeah, so his which just makes him change so he does the equivalent of Sam rolling over and going to sleep, right? Um he knows his job. He always knew his job. It's not like he was debating whether or not he has to do it, right? Um but now he can do it. Now he can do it knowing that Luthien for a time is <laughs> right. Um, and so he is going to, he's th that's his touchstone with Estelle and the hybrids, you know, he, and so like you could say it really crudely, like now he has something new to fight for, but it's not like that. That's a, that's not an, an appropriate, it's not a, it's not a sufficient characterization because it's not about, again, Estelle is about touching, touching base with a higher reality not with something that you want. Um, it's, it's not about that. Anyway, okay. So I can see how the Estelle thing works for him. And then his mom is, is talking about marriage and he's like, whoa. And then she's like, and, she, and she's like, and you're going to piss Elrond off. And he's like, uh, oops, uh, I wouldn't want that. And then he talks to Elrond and Elrond is like, don't get married. And he's like, awesome. 
I, I agree with you. I'll side with you over mom on this question. Um, and, but the question of Arwen comes up, right? Um, and, um, we can, st- there's no reason we can't do, even if he's not thinking about marriage with Arwen yet, Marie, we can still have the moment, right? The like, did my mom talk to you moment, right? Um, because Elrond suddenly talking about marriage, especially in the context of uh, it's Gilrine who makes the connection between Elrond and his, his, his feelings for Arwen. He's probably not thinking about Elrond at all, right? Like the idea that Elrond might be upset is probably not even on his radar screen. Because he's not thinking about her like that, necessarily. He's not thinking about marriage yet, right? But that Elrond might be thinking about it in those terms is raised by his mom, right? And so when Elrond starts talking about marriage, that he would have that reaction and be like, shoot, um, oops, uh, did you talk to mom or whatever? Like, that, that I think still works. Um, but... Anyway, okay. As I feel like it works with Aragorn. How does it work with Arwen? The Estelle part. How does her meeting him factor in? It factors in because what? Um, uh, I feel like she's got to see that he's going to be a big deal that he's right. a game changer even even as even like even well that's as interesting as a, a brash young man right right but she right. sees there's something about him yes. that okay maybe I this like this is going to work out right you know um especially it would be especially appealing if the problem they're both having immediately before their meeting essentially for different reasons and in different ways boils down to I am alone with this huge solitary burden, right? Arwen has the huge solitary burden of trying to, you know, she's the even star of her people. How do I, how, how can I help Elvendom survive into the fourth age of middle earth? Right. That's her burden. Um, his burden is what we already talked about. Right. So both of them are like, I'm on my own and due to do this impossible thing. And it looks like there's no, chance of it happening. I'm dear really low. What can happen? So yeah. So she sees him and says, um, Hey, this is, this is a new factor, right? This guy, this guy is special. This guy is, there's something special about this guy. Right. Um, maybe even, maybe she even has some kind of, uh, um, some kind of foresight about him. Right. Not again, not, marriage related foresight right um not their relationship I saw specific our son right. <laughs> for instance that would be a good example of the kind of foresight she does not have in this moment yeah that's the do epitome we, of the foresight i don't want her to have in this moment sorry go ahead do we use her line that oh yes people have often compared me to lucy and, and my fate may not be unlike hers did do we have her keep the inclination that her fate might be Luthien's fate in her first meeting with Aragorn. She might not it's a little mean. forward. Well, yeah, but she might not mean it that Does, way. She, she might something mean, completely I, different, yeah. I might 
I might become mortal and it might not have anything to do with romantic love whatsoever. You know, if we set it up properly, I would love it if we could do, if we could have her deliver that line, but have her mean and our audience hear something quite different with, however, knowing the ironic second meaning of that. It's a little flirty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To have her absolutely not intended in a flirty way, right? Um, but this would be contingent upon what we've developed in Luthien's story by the time we get to this point, right? And in fact, that connection leads me to wonder whether we should have them meet in like episode 11 or something like that. Like way late. Uh, in the season, because if we well, now we still need the conversation. We still need Gilrein and Elrond. We we still have a little yeah. bit of work to do. After remember, we, we don't yeah. get through too many. I know pieces in the I frame, know. so yeah, we'll have to the meet. But in the middle of the season, we would still be able to do what you want to do. I think, or yeah, you know, maybe maybe episode six or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, as, as I say, six, six, seven, eight. That was my first impulse there, but. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. But, but remember, we've got to establish what it means. Like, that has to mean something, right? When she says, my fate might not be unlike hers, well, what was her fate? Like, what do we even know about Luthien's fate at that point? Right? That's my issue there. Ah, uh, so just like Tenuviel, Tenuviel has to come after that point. Are you saying that my fate not might not be unlike Luthien's needs to be saved until after until, until we know what that means, doesn't it? Or at least something relevant to that, right? I mean, okay. if she nine says, or so, when when yeah, I mean, like, getting imagine <laughs> she's just re- rescued Baron from Tal and Garhoth, and in that same at the end of that episode, um, Arwen says, "My fate might be not unlike hers." Then what is what are our viewers supposed to take from that? Maybe I'll rescue people from werewolves, right? Like that. Like what? What? What fate are we talking about? Even assuming they don't know what happens with Luthien, uh, she hasn't. She hasn't come to her fate yet. Right, um, right. But um, yeah, yeah, um, and yes, uh, Dennis on YouTube. Yeah, no, this is the quote from the Appendix A story of Ar- Aragorn and Arwen that we're 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 working with here. Yep. Um, completely butchering or you know working with however you want to work at it no working with it i mean it's it's hard it's hard because and the, the thing that we're doing that's making it hard is we're stretching that out it's already a short synopsis the appendix yes. a version is a, is a compressed mm-hmm. synopsis and yes. we're taking a fraction of it <laughs> right and doing the whole story of that little fraction so it's it's challenging it's challenging um uh yeah yeah um Yeah, that's the hard to me. That's the hardest part of this story is not getting them so far as an actual engagement. By the you know to ha- to not have that as the end point of the arc, makes it hard to have this be a satisfying arc, right? But I like it. I think we're, um, I think we're, um, uh, I think we got some stuff to work with here. Um, right? Yeah. Good. Brian thinks we have a good satisfying arc, so I think we do. There we go. Brian has said we do. So I trust Brian uh, in this. Um, uh, that, that I think that's good. That works. Um, and yes, uh, Brian, you're right. What we're not doing is whirlwind romance. What we're not doing is, you know, 
you are my destiny and uh you know it is our fate to be together like that's um we're not doing that at all uh so yeah yeah um okay okay um but i think if we split that off she doesn't have to say that to him in their first meeting for her still to say it right um in fact i quite like the idea of her saying that on reflection later on right um but hang on this um this um this brings this brings an interesting question do we bring them back together again do we have a second meeting between aragorn and arwen or do they just meet the once and they never talk again like Which is kind of how it happens to... in the book, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we bring but them we together to again, wrap. what do they do? Yeah. yeah. Maybe mean, they we both are living in Rivendell, and he likes her. How are they not bumping into each other again after this? Like they right? never see each other at dinner ever, right? Like right. That, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I I know that the synopsis in Appendix A is. It the one time, and then the next time he sees her is when he's fifty in Lothlorien. Right, but right. I feel like the first meeting is the significant one that we're given. It yeah. doesn't mean he didn't pass her in the hallway exactly. at some point in the next few weeks after that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's no. not like they didn't sit around and chat about something inconsequential. Right. Right. That he like looks at her while she walks by and his mom smacks him in the back of the head. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I'm sure that that kind of thing, whatever. Yeah. No, agreed. Okay. So, um, yes. Uh, so, uh, vibes, I agree. Um, better to have them see one another right before he leaves. Yeah. I mean, I do think we need to have a sending him off into the wilderness for decades moment right and she does need to be involved with that but what's that conversation like what's that conversation Mm -hmm. like um uh um what's that conversation like all right hang on a second i'm glad you're out there well i'm glad you're in here (laughs) that's right uh that's kind i mean that's i'm being facetious but that's kind of i think right the only thing they got to say to each other really okay right so an expression to each other that hey you give me hope right like i'm glad you exist you give me hope hey i'm glad you exist too i also take hope from you it's like oh i'm so glad we're in each other's lives bye right (laughs) right um okay uh I'm looking, saying that you and I are doing okay. a great job of uh, suggesting dialogue here, and we're really uh, showing off the work of the writers' room. A plus. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's uh, I'm I'm looking for a passage here, because I, I I have a sense I don't I don't I don't have a clear idea, but I have a notion that if I look in this place, I'll find something, right? Um, and the place I want to look at is the beginning is their conversation on Karen Emroth, right? Um, so, um, okay, uh, right now he's nine and forty. Uh, right. Okay. Um, what I'm looking at are the terms that they use, like the, the, the elements, right? Um, they're wandering together. They talking on Karen Emroth and there upon that hill, they looked east to the shadow and west to the twilight and they plighted their troth and were glad. And Arwen said, dark is the shadow, and yet my heart rejoices, for you, Estelle, shall be among the great whose valor will destroy it. Now, we have her, like, have the beginning of that insight in this first meeting, 
right? Um, that it will be so very intimately connected with her own calling is the thing she does not yet see, right? But she does, we, we're going to give her an early foresight into the fact that he shall be among the great whose vower shall destroy the shadow, right? Um, Alas, I, uh, I cannot foresee it, Aragorn answers, and how it may come to pass is hidden from me, yet with your hope I will hope, and the shadow I utterly reject, right? Um, but neither lady is the twilight for me, right? So the rejection of the twilight as well, that feels to me like that's the big issue there on Karen Emroth, right, at the moment when they're plighting their troth. Which means, again, using these same terms, if we focus their last scene on the rejection of the shadow, right? So, like, what both of them agree on, both of them feel like that they're both resisting the shadow in different ways, right? She's resisting the shadow when she's the even star, right? To keep the light of the elder days alive into the later world, right? Um, Like, for Arwen, overthrowing Sauron isn't, like, her mission, right? Her mission is that the light should survive, right? So, in that, but in that sense, that that's resisting the shadow, right? That is her resistance of the shadow. His resistance of the shadow is slightly more active, right? Because he has his responsibility and his people and he's got to, it is his job to try to see humanity through uh, and have, when the dominion of men comes, Sauron is not at in charge of it, right? That's his version of resisting the shadow. So he's setting off on an active campaign, long-term active campaign. He doesn't see how, right? That's still going to be true when he's 9 and 40, and it's true now when he's 20, even more so, right? No idea how, I barely even know how to begin doing that, but this is my plan. I'm setting out now to do this, right? And he is strengthened in the setting out to resist the shadow in his active way because she because Luthien for a time is, right? Um, and And she is his star in the sky and the reminder of Estelle and because I can see no hope in bringing about this positive ending is no reason not to do it, right? Um, Because Estelle, right? Like, light and high beauty remain and so therefore I'm just going to do and I'm not going to worry about the fact that I'm probably going to fail and everybody I love is probably going to die. Um... I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to I'm going to move forward anyway. That's what Estelle does for you, right? That's what Estelle does for Sam in that moment when he sees the shadow, right? Or the star above the shadow. Okay, great. So So his part of the final conversation is um her her part of the final conversation his part of the final conversation is I am now like with new perspective setting out to fight the shadow, right? And she would then double down on the you are, I think you will be one of the great whose vow or show over the, uh, we could even give her that line here. I think, um, I don't think it's too soon for her to say just that. Right. Um, she could get, she could encourage him. Right. And say, um, you know, I believe that you are one of the great ones who will, you know, whose valor will overthrow the shadow. Um, uh, so, that might be an encouraging thought, right? Um, but that's because that's her like her insight into the fact that, you know, uh, uh, Nick, as you said, he's a big deal, right? Um, that's her Estelle, right? I'm not alone. Not that, like, he's my soulmate and we'll do this together. Not in that sense, right? But she believes 
that her calling to keep the light alive is going to be her like solitary mission. Like, and here she sees, look, there's somebody else who is called to a job here, right? Whose job is to resist the shadow. Yeah, in this different way, whatever, right? We can still be pen pals or whatever, but, uh, but, um, but, but I'm not, but it's not just me, right? Um, like, I, providence, fate, right, is raising up other people to do something. And so, yeah. Estelle, right? Yeah, Estelle. And, and I, she... I, I, I have a part to play. Other people have parts to play. And let's just, um, let's, uh, let's, let's move forward, right? Without and, the dread. Yeah. And her staying behind, like, that's not her waiting around for him. Like, no. Presumably no. she has things that she has to do too right as in you know pursuant to what her job in middle earth is and what things it is she is up to for the next two or for the next uh, nine and 20 years right um is a question we answer the next time the arwen and aragon aragorn frame comes up we don't have to answer that now She's going to do something. She has a job, right? What that is and what that looks like, I don't know, but we don't need to know. Yep. Right? Agreed. So no no problems. No problems. We can get people wondering about that. Um, exactly, Brian. In fact, Brian. we already have somebody wondering about that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, exactly. Part of the goal of a television show is you have to make the viewer interested enough to tune in the next time. That's it. That's it. We're going uh, to come back in future seasons, come back in four years when we, or whatever it's, it's going to be, when we, um, yeah. I, I like the two totally or original thing. Yeah. kicking the can. We're definitely no, not kicking no, the can. No, this is strategic planning. That's all. That's all. This is long-term exactly. planning. That's what long-term Ge- planning looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Generating interest. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, so no, we've, um, we've already solved a lot of Arwen problems here today. I think we can save some Arwen problems for another day. Um, no, but that's good. I, I, yeah. So in this way, we have to show in that last conversation that they are like, that they are, they have brought Estelle to each other, right? They have, they're both leaving now with more hope, leaving the conversation, right? With more hope than they had with a new resolve. Um, and that they're, both fighting for the same thing, right? They're both going in this, well, not fighting for the same thing, but they're both going in the same direction, right? They definitely are like potential allies to each other, right? Um, even if we don't go, we don't go anywhere beyond that, right? Um, by the way, I would be totally fine. Um, someone was asking her all year on, like, does she have any feelings for him at all after this first meeting? I absolutely think that she should think he's hot. Yes. Like, I would be totally fine with, like, physical attraction being apparent between the two of them. Like, I, mm-hmm. I totally think that she thinks he's hot. But this is not, I mean, an elf woman looking at a 20-year-old human man and saying, he is a very attractive man, is very different from saying, I'm going to run away and elope with him. Right? That's miles away from that. So, like, does she admire him? Um, yeah, in lots of ways. Right. And, uh, you know, so can we see like I think we need to be at a place where we can see like that a future relationship between the two of them should be very plausible 
coming out from this, but they don't have to be any further connected with that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Um, good. I think that's, um, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I think that'll work. I guess it's good. I guess it's good. I think we solved it. Confident that we've solved it. Right. All you have to do is execute some like really genius writing and it'll be fine. And it'll work out great. Yeah. 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 So Wait, did we um did we settle on who's the point of view? No, we did not. Let's return to that and then we'll yeah. end with that question. Okay. Okay. Um I think it's gotta be both, right? I think it's gotta be half and half. It can it can be well the way that we've structured this it can be kind of like the scenes that have the two of them together we can mm-hmm. kind of see it from her point of view. Um, I would lean towards her because I feel like that's going to that be way. the more mature point of view anyway, right? Right, and the more right. nuanced one. Um, but he's going to be off by himself sometimes, and so I think a bunch of the times, yeah, 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 yeah. We I don't think we can have a single point of view person because. It's going to be essential both before and after their meeting um, to have, I mean, there's really, there's going to be, there's going to be movement one, which is the two of them establishing their stuff and getting to their low points, their relative low points, right? And then meeting one happens. And then phase two, where they're both kind of now emerging from that and, 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 uh, you know, in different ways and then their second meeting at the very end right um so so yeah it it means that for if we're ever going to tell Aragorn's half of the other things we're we're going to have to abandon her during those moments um but um you know could we do what if like uh, could we usually do two scenes right one at the beginning and one at the end what if? Mm-hmm. No, we're gonna veto your idea, but go ahead and express it. <laughs> Come on, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? No, it would not be no. fun because okay. we only have a couple of minutes to yeah. establish something, and you expect whatever you establish at the beginning to show up again at the end. I know, so right? We can, so we can do every yes. other episode, like yeah, so we can do yeah, an R one episode. Yeah, we're gonna subvert the expectation episode. that we're going to have a good story. No, 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 that's not the case at all. The point is you establish... No, I, I, I'm... I'm uh, I with totally only a few minutes to work with, yep. if we no, did I, one storyline and then it. the other storyline, unless they're doing the... Unless they're having the exact same conversations with different people, and we can only do that once. Yeah, I know. Okay, I so know. would you be happy if we worked it in once in the whole season where yeah, we had I would. an Aragorn scene and an Arwen scene? Okay. Yeah, because we might be able to find yeah. one place to do it. We could do it one time as a novelty. Yeah, yeah. Yes. no, but, I am, um, but we can't do the whole season like that. We I don't demand cannot. you guys attempt to do something if it's actually impossible. I'm just saying I think it would be cool. But impossible yeah. is probably not the word I would choose there. Impractical right. is the word sure. I would use. Sure, it would sure. be. A and this show is nothing handicap. if not practical. <laughs> Practicality yeah, yeah. is this is our is number the, one. Goal. It's the yes. light motif of yes. the film project. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> but but no but 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 I get it. It's there's there's uh, it's 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 fine. I get it. no, it's true. It's true. Um so it's it's fine. No, you guys can do what works out. I'm just saying I just it's 
it's my job to make impra- impractical suggestions. Oh, um, and we welcome the suggestions. I just was letting you know that this particular suggestion was going to be strongly vetoed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just, I, I love this dynamic we've developed where I have an idea and before I even express it, you two both not only uh, know what it's going to be, but are already vetoing it. <laughs> right? That's, that's, uh, that's really kind of I like the, devel- I the development veto. of the film film project in an, in, I call in, that in, in a nutshell. Okay. The successful I, I don't veto. That's, that's Marie's job. I that's just, right. Yeah. You know, no, it's, that's right. That's teamwork in action. That's what I that just is, argue right? vociferously. <laughs> you just, <laughs> right. you just, you just disagree. I, I just yeah. like make faces and like, you just, just disapprove. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. So, by the way, how many episodes are we up to? I mean, uh, like show episodes. By the end of season six, so what is it? It's 13, 13 times six at this point, right? So we're, what, 78 episodes? Yep, yeah. Uh, right? All right, so 78 episodes by the end of this. So this has been this has been fairly significant. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We're, yeah. we're going to have to figure out something to do for the 100th episode of some film. Right, mm-hmm. which will come in season eight. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, yeah. it won't be like the near ninth or ad, which would be you know a downer. But of course, what is it going to be? Turin? That'll be a non downer. So there we go. If yeah, it's somewhere yeah. in the middle of the turn season. I'm not sure it's going to be <laughs> yeah, happier. Exactly, exactly. But by the way, come on. Also, how having hope be the dominant theme of the near ninth or ad season is gold, right? I mean, like that's 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 just like it's um, it's like getting punched in the face. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> See, we didn't even know we were going to get there, uh, but there we are. But no, I, I fully agree with that yeah, because I, the character we're going to follow from beginning to end through that season is Heron. Is Heron. And yeah. Day Shall Come Again Day is Heron. Again. That's it. So That's it. he ends the season with hope despite his defeat. And that yep. is what his story. I mean, that. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. it is hope. It's fine. Absolutely. Even yep. if it's unnumbered tears, it's still hopeful. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but honestly, like, that's that's really Tolkien, isn't it? Right? You know, to be doing the Battle of Unnumbered Tears and your main theme is hope, like, that's Tolkien all over, right? It's why the Silmarillion is so inspiring instead of just being... I mean, I, I yeah. get Turin stories hard on me emotionally when I read it every time. Um, but mm-hmm. the Silmarillion as a whole... Um, you know, like it's it's not hard to adopt a perspective that says like, man, that is a depressing book. Right. But it doesn't that's not the effect of it. It doesn't feel that no. way. Right. And that's, I think, one of the things mm-hmm. that Tolkien accomplishes so brilliantly in the Silmarillion. That's why I keep joking that the Silmarillion is what Game of Thrones wants to be when it grows up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I um, like it. Yeah. Yeah. OK, cool. Um, well, we should actually come to an end here so we had uh, we had some other slides with in case we got to uh, episode by episode but we did not um, so we'll have to um, will we come back to that or will we just entrust that to you guys you guys we, we did a shape we did a shape we didn't map it out one by one but well I mean as as enjoyable as it would be to like force you to kind of like work through the results of what has been created this evening um, yeah, we can we can manage it. Yeah, but that's your job. I, that's, <laughs> again, why, why should we do that? That, that doesn't <laughs> make any sense. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Again, my job is the impractical suggestions, uh, yeah, and your yeah. job is the yeah. fallout from that. So, yeah, but, that, but you see, that was that was the, it's called the, division of labor. Uh-huh, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> absolutely absolutely you know it's good it's good um, the multiplication of labor <laughs> <laughs> okay multiplication of labor from a different point of view right instead of division i hear you i hear you but um uh yeah no it's good it's good it's good anyway, okay but speaking of labor next time we're going to be talking about episode one right time to dig in to the actual the actual season so um um so great and then we'll see so what including frame will we get episode one frame outline something maybe <laughs> no worries. um so and it's fine so there's a couple a little bit of no promises yeah <laughs> so hopefully we'll have at least the frameless version of the uh of the of, of, one script of season one yeah so we're gonna be to go right good so season six episode one um we're looking at the establishment of sauron uh we're gonna be D- the dorthonian thing establishing luthien that's what we're looking at for next time yes yeah. yes awesome awesome um, we have somebody working on episode th- uh, three right now. Uh, that's uh, Kanji or Dylan. Okay. And um, episode four, I have. Uh, I'm going to be announcing the scriptwriter for tomorrow. There are multiple applicants, so okay, good times. Okay, awesome, nice boy. Multiple applicants. This is uh, yes. the. This is a. This is a. This is this is new frontiers. <laughs> For yes. the film project, yes, it is very Keep exciting. In mind that season six, episode four, is Tanuvia. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you're curious, why the sudden interest? Right. Mm. Okay. No, I see that. I see that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Excellent. Well. Anyway. We'll see how episode one goes. Um, so that's what we'll look at next time. Uh, Thursday, June 16th. So that's the week before Mythmoot. So we uh, Mythmoot falls right in between our normal uh, time slots here. So that's cool. Um, looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing how this, uh, how this stuff comes out. Um, excellent. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, uh, folks, for joining us. Thank you, uh, team, for another wonderful discussion. Uh, and I will say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed. <laughs>